The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to In Discussion. Our guest today, Dwayne Conda, film editor and director of photography, talks about his career and life in media production. My guest today, Dwayne Conda, has more than 25 years' experience as a director, DP, editor, and motion graphics designer for many successful film and video projects. He has received numerous nominations and awards for editing, receiving much acclaim for his work over the years. His work includes film and documentary, with specialized experience in motion graphics. Mark Stubis of Kidspiece was recently quoted on Conda's work, like the great composer Rossini, who once said that he could make a laundry list into an opera, he can deliver an impressively lyrical visual poem based on something as mundane as wastewater management. Dwayne, welcome to you. Well, David, thanks for having me. You're very welcome. Uh, I understand at the moment, Dwayne, that you're you're in Albuquerque, New Mexico. I'm very envious. I hope that your work up there is uh, going swimmingly. It's going well, David. Um, I've got a like a work live space uh, out here, and uh, and you know there's a fair amount of work, so I come out here about every ten days, and uh, you know, and assemble projects. So you're witnessing those glorious New Mexico um, uh, sunsets and sunrises, I take it. I am, I am, and uh, actually shoot a lot of them. So, um, you know, I'm really, really enjoying it. Well, that's wonderful. Well, I would love to um, explore or chart your life and career, Duane, uh for our listeners. Um, and... Uh, both as an editor and as a DP and uh, and a cameraman, cinema photographer. Um, and I suspect as we take this journey that there may be emphasis placed on the editing role as uh, being extremely uh, crucial in the whole process. But if I may, I would like to start with your early years and um, see what it was in your childhood or, or your your late teens that actually spurred you on or, or gave you the incentive to move into this industry? Well, um, you know, growing up outside the city uh, in Waxahachie, Texas, um, you know, having parents that were divorced but being surrounded by great, very talented friends in high school, um, and then again college uh, at Texas Tech in Lubbock, uh, I kind of gravitated towards very creative people, uh, you know, kids in my class, professors, and uh, up until I was about 12, my dad on several occasions uh, shot 8mm home movies. So that kind of sparked the interest in filmmaking at a, at a very early age. My dad always wanted to make films, but for whatever reason, he never pursued it. Uh, incidentally, I, I transferred all of what he shot uh, from 66 to 76 from 
8mm to a digital archive about nine years ago. And you know, his composition and timing and style is very, very good. And it's actually very similar to my style today. This reminds me of something that uh, Arthur, author and talent coach Sam Smiley told me. And he said, the very best people in a particular craft will most likely not be found having a career in that craft because ironically it's their exceptional talent that somehow suppresses the ability to go out and make a career of it. And I thought when he told me that, I was like, well, that, that may have been my father. But yeah, he was, I think he was the influence of me wanting to get into this field. What was it, my goodness me, back in those days you were working with very different equipment that you do now. You're working with film and you're working with, with editing suites that are completely uh, 180 degrees different to what you're working with now. Uh, looking back on those days, it must be very nostalgic. It must be, you must have a lot of pride in the fact that you could start back then in those days that you, where you really had to learn a lot about um, the, the, the qualities of film, how film works. Right, it was very mechanical. You know, you were... You know, you're you're touching it, and you you know you, you had to send it off to be developed. Um, at least you know back in the day, um, and it, you had to touch it and work with it. You cut it. You know, I took several film classes uh, outside of college, and it was very tactile, and it was very different from from what it is today. Today, um, we're sitting at a keyboard and. You're not really you're not really touching the media. I mean, you can pull the hard drive, but you, it's not the same as actually holding up the strip of film and seeing the images. Um, I, I kind of um, it's all come up. We've become IT creatives, you know, and, and with all this digital management. I've I've asked this question before to to other guests. Does this technology make you more analytical these days than than creative? Do you think? Do you, be, do, uh, do, you, do you become more of a technician than you do a, uh, a, a creative uh, visionary, as it were? You, you actually do. Um, you know, there are days that, that go by that that's all I do all day is, is digital asset management, um, you know, being the IT creative. In a way, I feel a little more connected, you know, if I'm just dealing with the, the daily dirt of digital asset management. I mean, just... There's something kind of therapeutic about about organizing, but then at the same time, you get ready to, okay, I'm done organizing, I want to start working now. Um, but, but yeah, it really is, um, it really can be a time-consuming process. I mean, if you've got a, a, a project with a bin of close to a thousand clips, you've got to organize it, otherwise, you know, your edit could go on for weeks. But clearly, you have been able to uh, cross that that border. I mean, you've been able to retain your your vision, your story structure capability, as I've been so proud to see with 14 days, um, as well as become uh, a technician, I suppose, a management of storage. And uh, th th that is quite something, isn't it, to be able to, to to juggle both those balls at the same time? It is. It's, it's definitely a left brain, right brain activity, and it, it stretches you. Um, 
you know, I think it, it makes you better. It's a different way of thinking. Um, but at the same time, it can be a real pain because all you want to do sometimes is just work. And, you know, I'm, I'm coming off of a job here in New Mexico where literally I, I got three hours of sleep a night uh, in a 20-hour cycle. And, and it was only because that project was, as we shot it and as the director gave me information and digital assets, I was able to organize it um, over a period of time so that then uh, I can, in literally three days, pull the entire project together. And that's going from absolutely zero clips on the timeline to yesterday screening it for the client. Is, is, is that, sorry to interrupt, but is that indicative of the, the workflow that is demanded by clients now simply because they see the, the digital workflow as being more... I don't know, expedited in a way. It is. They they want um well it's all it's all because of the internet. You know, they want they want short, well done projects. Uh, at least my clients do. Um some of the things I've seen on, on YouTube and what have you, um, you know, you think, Well who was who was behind that and why didn't they do that a little better? But uh my clients they want short, concise, well done documentaries that that tell a story and uh, tell the story well tell their story so so yeah that's uh, and usually a lot of a lot of what i do is is uh, corporately funded so they may have a fundraising meeting that has all of a sudden come up and it's like oh well can you can you do this by next week and if you're organized you can turn it in a week if you're not organized you may spend half of that time getting organized. With that said, uh, could I just um, momentarily return back to your early career? Um, What was it that influenced you in regards to genres uh, that that gave you a particular interest, whether it was film or documentary or the more corporate world? How did you... uh, take that road i guess for for entertainment uh value and just to escape um i like westerns I like science fiction drama comedy and fantasy kind of stuff um but it's it, you know with documentaries it's apples and oranges so really for entertainment value i like those other things um but once i'm, I'm watching a particular film and i see you know, holes in the plot or editing issues, bad camera work. From that point on, it, it's all over and I'm kind of in work mode. And I start to find faults and think about reasons for why they're faults and, you know, what the filmmakers could have done about it. Um, and I really don't like for that to happen. You know, when I watch a film, I want to enjoy it and not really think about how it was made. Um, but I didn't, you know, I don't put documentaries in that category because when I watch the docs, since that's more of the field I work in now, um, I'm constantly studying the work, learning from the work, and not really relaxing. So, um, you know, the field I work in is not really a genre of interest for me unless I'm ready to work. So it's, like I say, it's apples and oranges. What about those uh, directors, producers, storytellers that influenced your work? Are there any uh, particular names that you could throw out? that 
shaped uh, your work? Well, you know, I, I guess as far as directors, um, James Cameron would have to be at the top of the list because here's a guy that, that turns out a consistently great film, whether, the, whether it's narrative or documentary. And he uses the latest technology to tell that story. Uh, his films, for me, are always watchable and enjoyable. And it's, it's very difficult to find fault in his work, so I don't even try. Uh, I also admire Kevin Costner for his work in Westerns, producing and directing and starring in Dances with, at Dances with Wolves and, and three other or so films. Um, admirable because any one of those jobs alone is more than a handful, but to wear all three hats on multiple films that are very well done, you know, what an accomplishment. Yeah, I, I often look back at uh, whether it's making films or documentaries, and I've shared this with you. It's a huge burden, isn't it? it it's not easy. It's not an easy process being involved in that. And, of course, when you look at somebody like uh, Jim Cameron, uh, to think that Avatar took at least five years to make and possibly more makes you wonder about that drive about that staying power that, that an individual like that possesses in light of the fact that there must be huge uh, traumas along the way both logistically and creatively mm-hmm. oh absolutely and, and it's it's that backstory we don't really hear about unless you know unless we watch the uh, EPK that's on the DVD that comes with the film and many times they they don't even get into those issues so I, I just can't imagine uh, the challenges he had on that film and if you know if you watch in the credits there's just thousands of people that worked on it um, I, in fact know a colleague I've got a colleague that worked on the film and um, he's in the credits and uh, apparently it was him and one other person and they had specific directions from uh, Jim Cameron not to discuss the film for the entire period of time that they worked on it. I mean, he really kept issues down and out of the media and what he was doing and storyline and all of that stuff. And just, you know, just the fact that he was, and that was just two guys in a list of, you know, a thousand people that worked on it. I just can't imagine the, um, just the management of all of that. Just, just the information of, of who's working on what. Don't talk to this person. You know, do this, and I just, I just can't fathom it. But needless to say, uh, I really didn't learn much about Avatar during the uh, during the time that he was working on it. Do you, or are you, a strong believer that the editor? whether you're a straight editor or a story editor, should be involved in the production process uh, as much as possible, should actually be on set, um, whether they're acting as DP or or supervising or monitoring editor. Uh, for an editor, does that make a huge difference when it comes to actually putting the piece together? It, it does. It actually makes a huge difference. Um, for example, this, this project I'm working on here in Albuquerque, uh, I've shot 99% of it, and, um, and of course I'm editing it, and I know exactly what, what every shot needs to be or what it needed to be. I know where it's going to go. When we shot the interviews, I knew exactly what we had to cover that interview, and if we didn't have it, I knew exactly what we needed to do. Um, 
I edited a, a film at the same time we did 14 Days. Uh, you know, I worked on those two in conjunction, and that film, I uh, was not on the set, uh, literally both, both 14 Days and uh, this other film, uh, material was just handed to me, and I wasn't on the set for either of those. And it was very challenging. And, you know, to take the director's vision and to say, okay, well, gosh, I wish I would have been there on this particular day so I could have known what was going on on the set to know what, you know, what is the exact vision. Because if it's not, if you don't see it with your eyes and you're not experiencing it emotionally, uh, with an emotional, intelligent uh, decision-making process, when you're sitting in the edit bay, it, uh, without all of that backstory, and it's just you know it's just a, a bunch of shots and clips, and you're like, okay, well, you know, let's put this one here and see if it works. That is possibly one of the uh, disadvantages um, or obstacles, I guess, uh, in filmmaking is that as an editor, I'm sure that you are constantly faced with the challenges of inadequate amount of film or, or pick-up. Um, is that a challenge that, that you come across often? You never have enough. Uh, even if, even if you, uh, you shoot it yourself, you never have enough. There's always one shot that you think, well... Gosh, if I'd only had this, or if I only had that. Um, but the luxury of being able to go out and shoot it, uh, being a, both an editor and a DP, uh, on a lot of my projects, if I'm missing something, I make a date and go out and shoot it. Uh, literally, I've at times jumped up out of the edit bay. Uh, the truck's always loaded with camera and lighting gear. And I'll go get what I need. Um, usually, it's it's some scenic location. So, um, you know, of course, the time of day has to be right. Um, I was telling the client uh, yesterday at our screening. Uh, they asked about a particular shot of a vista that's out kind of in the middle of New Mexico, and uh, you know, it was it's really a gorgeous shot. And um, they asked where it was and what time of day. And then they realized to get that shot at that time of day, I would have had to left Albuquerque at 3 a.m. And, uh, and then I said I left about 3 a.m. to go get that shot. And um, they were just astounded. And to me, that's no big deal. If, 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 you, if that's what you need to do to get that shot, then that's what you do. Was there a, a time, looking back now, that it became evident to you that that shooting was possibly less important to you as an art than editing. Um, how, how did that, how did that uh, progress for you? Uh, is, is editing of greater interest to you? You know, it, I kind of go back and forth, and I, I go in cycles of where I do nothing but shoot, you know, every, I don't want to say every day, but it's a real cycle. It depends on the director I'm working with and where we are in the project. There, there may be three months of shooting three days a week or, you know, along those lines, something like that. And then it goes into production. And then, then it's editing eight hours a day for, could be a week or two, sometimes a month. Um, 
so it's it's really a nice mix. Uh, it, the the two jobs are very similar, but they're very different. And it's just so nice to be able to get up out of the chair after a period of time, or know that there's going to be a period of time where I'm going to be out in the field again. And then about the time I'm getting tired of being out in the field, you know, getting sunburned and uh, and getting up early to go get these shots. About about the time I'm tired of that, then it's editing phase or usually digital management phase. So then I'm sitting at the computer for eight hours a day, kind of kind of regrouping. So looking back um, over the last five or ten years, which do you think of the projects that you have? worked on stands out to you as being something that was uh, uh, close to your heart? Probably, you know, I would have to say 14 days, 14 days in Great Britain, because that was such... I, uh, you know, it might, and, and sorry to interrupt, but it might be for the benefit of the listeners for, for you just to give them a general overview of that project and, and your participation. It all started when um, when I met you, David Gibbons, um, in L.A., and you had this box of tapes, a metal box of tapes, and we had talked, I think, once or twice before on the phone, but um, anyway, we, we met up and you had this box of tapes, and you're like, well, here's the tapes. Um, go on, <laughs> run along now. And um, <laughs> my goodness me, did it come over like that? <laughs> Pretty much, that's how I remember it. This was 2006, and um, it, it. I had known about 14 days in America, and I knew that you guys had shot 14 days in Great Britain, and so I really wanted to become involved and. Um, and through a series of phone calls, uh, a, a mutual acquaintance, we were able to uh, hook up, and you know, and there's there's you in the metal box of tapes. Um, I took the tapes back. There's about eighty tapes in that box, and about two pages of tape logs, and no transcripts. And I. I really had no. All I knew is that it's a, it, it was a lot of interviews, uh, some B-roll, but mostly interviews. And 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 I'd seen 14 Days in America, so I kind of knew the um, you know the vibe and what you were going for. But at at that time, one of the things you said to me is that, and you'd given me a real tight deadline. I think it was six weeks to turn it. And um, you said, you know, I want to I want to push you because when you push people. That's when you get the best product, and that's something I agreed with. You know, there's um, there's a certain um, comfort actually in knowing that this is the deadline. This is what I've got to do. Here's my schedule. Here's my you know my landmarks. Here's here's what I have to hit in this period of time in order to be done with it. And um, it's it becomes very um, tiring and introspective, but at the same time very focused and I think that was another one that um, I probably got four four hours of sleep a night Um, also working on another low budget film at the time so I would work I would work on the other film 
I believe it was from 6 a.m. to, I don't know, noon or 2 or 3 o'clock or something, and then switch to 14 days and work until maybe 3 a.m. And that, that went on for about six weeks. The other job went on for about nine months because that was a, that was a director wearing way too many hats. And, um, you know, when you were off in London screening 14 Days, I was still editing on that same low-budget film. I think we edited that thing three times. But, um, yeah, 14 Days, that was such, 2006 was such a, um, uh, with those two projects, you know, 14 Days in Great Britain being so rewarding because you gave me so much freedom to just, here's the box of tapes, just make something of it. Um, and uh, it was a very spiritual thing because, I mean, what do you do when you've got all of these clips, um, you know, pretty much ingested into the system every single tape. So that took, that took a while. Um, but then by the time I was focused in on it and I'd seen the footage, it was a very spiritual thing to you you ha- i mean you've got this finite time you've got to deliver and it's you've got to turn to the lord to say what the heck am i going to do with this and it just came out like fire um and you see the result and i'm very proud of that project because it, it's got a tone and manner that is really really comforting and rewarding these people have a lot of great things to say. Um, you know, even the things I, I didn't use were still great. But, you know, I was able to just take the cream right off the top. And, um, and it just came to me. I have no other explanation um, other than that was a sheer miracle to turn that project in six weeks while at the same time cutting a low-budget feature with a director that really kind of wanted to be in the room with me for about ten, eight to ten hours a day on another project. Fourteen days was, you know, that's the one I wanted to work on. But I had to have this finite time on this other project. Um, so you and, and this other fellow were polar opposites. Um, but it was very, it just makes 14 days in Great Britain stick out in my mind because I was able to see, I was able to see the, uh, uh, the different styles and know which, which type of director I would want to work with. And it was definitely, you know, the freedom, do what you want, make something out of it, <laughs> rely on the Lord, um, all of that stuff. I'd like to be part of something making a really huge difference for the world, but involving something that the young and all like can really enjoy. I don't know, organizing something in the way that goes on my phone. People are the power of the world, really. And governments are powerful, but the people are more powerful. You know, and like I say, think before you act. If people do think before they act, maybe a better world, you know. Seeing what I've seen in my life, I would say, just think of the future. 
um, what you're doing to the world. I, I have to say, for the first time in in goodness only know many, uh, I don't know how many programs I'm done here, but I, I have to say for the first time, I was speechless. Uh, when I asked that question, I wasn't thinking with all your experience that you would immediately go to 14 days. Um, I mean, 14 days was... I mean, you you know that where 14 days was for me. It is to this day a life's work and it will continue. <clears throat> but what it did for me was establish in my mind the true role of a story editor. Um, and, but not only that, uh, an editor who, who understands uh, story structure. And it's... Strange that you mentioned Sam Smiley. I, I haven't uh, had the pleasure of seeing Sam for so long, but he's definitely the master of understanding uh, story structure in in film um, and documentary. And it's amazing uh, when, as a director, and of course I was very green then, how it was to be able to give you this footage and and see something come out that was quite divine. Um, but but you were very much the story editor there. Can you define the difference for the benefit of our listeners between that story editing role and just being a plain editor? <laughs> well, as a as a plain editor, which is what I totally was on the other film that I worked on in conjunction with Fourteen Days where the director had a vision and this is how you're going to cut it and, you know, don't make any interpretations. Here's the script. Here's the shots. Here's the takes I like this week um, and put them all together. It was very mechanical and very frustrating on that film. Then at night, um, in the p.m. hours to early, you know, 3 a.m. or so, working on 14 days, uh, it was up to me to create the story. There was no script. Um, there were there were questions uh, being asked of people, and it was it was uh, up to me really to make sense out of it. And it was really an overwhelming amount of material to make sense out of. Um, again, I. I can only say that was a miracle. That was a sheer miracle to get that done. And, you know, I I took your your six-week deadline very literally. I mean, to the day, it's like I will deliver this to him uh, on this day, and it will be finished, and it will will be good. It's not going to be something sloppy because those people you interviewed, I mean, they were amazing. Um, I can only think of two or three that really that really didn't make the screen and some of them for technical reasons uh, uh, but only just just a couple really didn't have much to say I mean you really you were able to filter out who's going to be a good talker in that so as a story editor I've got to put all that together but I really had such good material that um, and along with knowing what the questions were um being able to really craft it, um, you know, it's really, it's such a stream of consciousness film, but it's a stream of consciousness that makes sense. It makes a lot of sense, but you, it's more of a project that you, 
like I was alone when I edited it. I, you know, the family went away for a period of time. I was alone. I, it was it was me all by myself in these interviews. Um, and so I think that comes across when when somebody uh, views it. You really need to view it almost in a one-on-one setting. Uh, we did a screening um, after it was complete, and I noticed in the screening um, that you could hear a pin drop in the theater because people were connecting uh, one-to-one with, with the film. Uh, and then I've, I've heard about screenings in small groups where people are talking and chatting and they don't really connect because... Um, because that's not how it was put together. It was put together with me and this footage all alone. And it, you get the most out of it if you watch it that way. Yeah, I think it was uh, divine intervention, uh, looking back on it. Uh, it's not something I obviously want to focus on. Uh, but uh, looking back on it, it took four or five years to craft the idea, to to conceptualize the idea. And then to be able to uh, finish up with a big package of films and not really know where to go because I was green and then be able to provide it to yourself and actually come out with something that was divine. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it reflected perfectly the endeavor uh, that I had uh, initially uh, formulated back in 2001. And... Uh, it, it is an amazing piece of work, and um, uh, I, I think that it really did prove that uh, a true editor needs to understand uh, storytelling, story structure, um, and you certainly did that. Are there any other pieces of work since then that have uh, given you interest uh, in, in any particular area? Well, you know, I was um, I was interviewing once for a um, for like a, I can't remember if it was a reality show or something, and um, and and the fellow interviewing me, you know, asked asked the same kind of question, and then before I could answer, he he said, "Well, the best thing you've done, and that you're most proud of, uh, better be the last thing you've done," and. <laughs> And so, you know, I guess in answer to that question, you know, that's that's always kind of stuck with me. Um, so really, you know, the last... Uh, I, I get so focused on, on what I'm doing at the time I'm doing it that really that's the project I've become proud of. Um, and, and in this case, it's this one I'm doing for New Mexico Community Foundation. Um, you know, it... it it's so rewarding to see to see the footage we're able to get, the interviews we're able to get here, and and weave them together so that they they make sense. And it's a, it's a good project. It's um, you know it's it's for fundraising for the benefit of the community. And um, so yeah, uh, right now the way I work, the way I focus in. I mean, I it's not to say I can't multitask, but. It's the latest project I'm on that, you know, really, really, um, that sticks out in my mind and that I'm proud of, you know, until the next one. And then the next one I'll be, 
I'll be proud of that one and, and trying to, to make that the best it can be. This particular initiative has come about because the New Mexico Community Foundation believes in the fact that we share a great deal between these communities. And I believe that we cannot talk about Hispanic culture. We cannot commemorate it, celebrate it without acknowledging the vast cultural communities that have shaped who we are in New Mexico. So I thought it was an appropriate song to actually sing that day as a blessing song because the lyrics actually state that even though we come from different backgrounds, different races, different cultures, we're still all one human being on this earth, one human race on this earth, and we need to recognize that and really respect one another as we move into the future. Is it uh, a tough business to be in uh, these days, being, being a, a shooter and an editor? Um, how how has uh, how has your career shaped? How does how does it uh, look for editors in the future? Well, uh, for me, you know, uh, uh, and a lot of the uh, you know the boutique shops, the, the guys that can do more than that can wear more than one hat and do it pretty well. You know, it's that diversification that's you know that kind of keeps you alive in this in this market in this industry. Um, if you can do only one thing and you can do it well and you're connected with, you know, the, the, the James Camerons out there, then, yeah, you're going to be fine. But if you're not connected with those sorts of people, you've got to rely on diversification and your skills. And, you know, for me, that was it started out shooting and then uh, moved on to uh, shooting and editing and then about 95, 96 moved into motion graphics which was very lucrative at the time uh, but as I move into these different um, you know wearing these different hats it's not like I forget the past uh, hat I wore you know I stay fresh so you know right now it's 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 shooting editing motion graphics and um, and it's that diversification that keeps me going if I did just one of those things and could only do one of those things I would I would have a, a second job doing something else. Your work in motion graphics, can you cite examples of that work in, in any of your projects? And what is, what is motion graphics all about for the benefit of our listeners? Well, back in the, um, back in the early 90s, mid-90s, uh, when digital editing was just becoming affordable, I mean, it, it had been around, but it was very expensive and when systems like avid media 100 uh, came on the scene that's pretty much all you can do with those systems is cuts and dissolves and there were other applications out there uh, one in particular was cosa after effects now uh, adobe after effects uh, so cosa was out there and it was an application that allowed you to do more than just cuts and dissolves you could um, you could more or less animate still files, picture files. You could animate video. You could do different things with it. Um, so for me, uh, being a Media 100-based editor at the time, uh, I was limited to cuts and dissolves, and I was like, this is, this is no good. You know, sometimes you have to be able to do something else, especially with, especially with text. Um, otherwise, it's just boring. Uh, so I learned COSA, and then it, it 
literally uh, in the same six month period I was I was learning Kosa, it became Adobe After Effects, and Adobe just made it better and better and better. But um, it was it, it's a way of of manipulating uh, text, stills, video, uh, in a way that you couldn't do uh, with a straight linear editor. Now Final Cut, you can do a lot of those things. Um, all of these applications. I mean, here we're talking 15 years later. Um, you can get away with stuff in Final Cut now that that only After Effects would do 15 years ago. But I've I've stuck with After Effects and um, pretty comfortable with it. You know, they they continue to to come out with upgrades that you know at times you just don't have you don't have the time to learn all of that. But I learn what I need to learn to um, you know to make to to give the projects a look and it, it's um, it's a very rich look and it's something you can really only do with uh, with After Effects as far as I know um, uh, so that's that's how I use the application so really I use a, a motion graphic application as a finishing tool to really uh, polish the look um, so for instance in 14 days the um, the credit the whole credit sequence is is motion graphics. It's all it's all text. I, I didn't want to just scroll a list of names. Uh, I wanted to do something with the the globe that we had animated, that was actually uh, acquired off of Google Earth, um, you know. And then Tony uh, Boniface put that amazing score to it, um, which really just took it to the next level. But all of that is all After Effects. All um, it's all editing in the 3D color space, um, all basically uh, motion graphic. You know, clearly with all these uh, different pieces of equipment, different styles, different techniques, would it be fair to say that it's, it has to be a very uh, long training pe- uh, period for youngsters coming into the profession now? And we're, we're kind of in that age where just about anyone can afford to buy the hammer, but not everyone can build the house. And uh, it, it can be intense. Uh, when I got onto Final Cut, in fact, in fact, uh, 14 days in this other film, is the, that's the first project I cut with Final Cut Pro. And just, uh, just a month before Final Cut, uh, before I started 14 days, uh, I'd taken a five-day class in Final Cut, and it was overwhelming. Um, it's it's not intuitive. It was it was very expensive to learn. Uh, it was, uh, and um, but I learned enough to be able to do the project. You know, I was able to just siphon out what I needed to know at the time to get this job accomplished. And again, I go back to that was just looking at all of the. You know, there's probably backstory you don't know that went on. Uh, it's just a sheer miracle, you know. Uh, so not only was I working on those two projects simultaneously, but um, but I was learning uh, an application at the same time. Do you look back on that period with great nostalgia? <laughs> yeah, I guess I do. I keep going back to it. But uh, I, I don't know if I really answered the, the question. Uh, um, 
but but yes, it's learning. Of course, the the kids nowadays can you know they they can pick it up rather quickly. Um, you know what we're seeing out here in New Mexico. Another project I'm working on is um, is is with the schools, and um, and they they have media classes, and these you know early on they're giving kids cameras, and kids are going out shooting shooting their their little movies, and they're actually pretty good, you know. Um, but is that not a world that we're moving into, though, Dwayne? I mean, we're moving into a world where people can become not just spectators but also creators with the with the ease of access to equipment and the and the price of equipment now oh yeah everybody's a filmmaker and it's um you know it's whether they're going to be good at it or not um i mean i you can see some amazing things that people are shooting with flip cameras on youtube and then you can see some real um bad stuff that you're like, why are they even taking the time to, to post that? Um, but yeah, everybody's a filmmaker, and um, but like I say, uh, you know, pretty much anybody can buy the hammer, but not everybody can build the house. And if you're gonna, you know, if, if you've got a corporate clients, and you know, I've got a lot invested in this business. I've been in it for quite a while. Um, if you're gonna get the rates that you need to survive in today's economy. You've got to be good at it. What about the future uh, for you? Um, and I, I'm so overwhelmed, frankly. I'm not quite sure the, the thoughts that I'm going to go away with from this program over your um, your passion for 14 days. But moving forward, and I certainly hope that that one day that we'll be able to do one of those together again. Moving forward, what would be the sort of work that would interest you most that you wish that you could be involved in? Well, uh, hmm. I suppose that an editor always aspires to something um, uh, on the filmic level, uh, the sort of epic level. I mean, uh, does an editor like yourself, you know, have aspirations of being involved in films uh, like the Avatars? I suppose that a lot do, but you know, for me, if um, I like the consistency of doing these well-produced, short, under ten-minute documentaries. And, you know, if, if in seeing one of my projects, somebody's, someone's motivated to do something good, donate to a cause, become informed, um, to just, in watching it, they become a better person, you know. Um, if it's only one person, then it's all been worth it for me. So, my, of course, I would love to, um, you know, pick up the phone and it's, Jim Cameron or his people, you know, saying, hey, we want to work with you. I would love that, but at the same time, I don't expect it. Um, I would welcome it, but I don't expect it, and, and that's all right. As long as I can do um, do what I'm doing and continue to do it well and be able to stay in the business, um, you know, continue to have clients that, that recognize the work, um, then I'm happy. I'm fine. 
Where uh, do you think there are going to be challenges in the industry going forward, uh, specifically uh, in terms of funding projects, whether they're small projects like yourselves that, that you're involved in or, or the larger projects? Do you think that funding can become a problem? Um, do, you see, do you see any uh, downturn uh, in the industry in any way in the future? Well, I, I would hope we're at the bottom of it. You know, um, 2009 was, um, you know, for many people a very bad year. Ironically for me, it was the best year I'd had in nine years. Um, you know, I, I explain that with, you know, it was a combination of things. It was a combination of diversity. It was a combination of faith and um not getting sucked in with this flock dynamics of, you know, everything's going down the tubes, let's do something else. You know, I stayed the course and, um, and you know, had a very good year in, in 2009. Now, what I'm seeing so far in 2010, um, I think, is more of that flock dynamics of, um, uh, you know, we've had a couple of clients here say, oh, well, we're not going to have the budget for that anymore, or, or you kind of see these games that get played. Like, well, we want, we still want the product, but can you do it for free? Or, you know, we don't have the budget, and you know that. Well, they're just. You, you, I think there's going to be more of those games being played, and I think it's a lot of it is just games. So, some some parts of the industry, yeah, they they don't have money, or they. But if you don't have the money, then don't ask for the deliverable. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I'm running into that here early on in 2010, where in 2009 we didn't have any of those issues. So I think, I think in the next six months, really, we may see that change because I think it is all just, um, at least with, with my circle of people I'm working in, I think it is just cautionary uh, measures. But, yeah, going forward, directors are, I think, always going to demand more. They're always going to want to pay less. And it's just up to, um, it's up to the, the, the workers in the industry, the, um, the editors, the DPs, the uh, motion graphics guys, what have you, to say, you know, this is the rate, this is what it's worth, and, you know, um, then ultimately it's up to them to take the job. I mean, I, I took a job at the same time I was doing 14 days. And, you know, that, that was something I shouldn't have taken, but I did. Um, but that's, that's beside the point. Um, but yeah, going forward, I'm very optimistic, um, very optimistic about, uh, about the future. Uh, and in closing... Could I ask your final thoughts, your passion for what you do, Dwayne, uh, your passion for being a storyteller, for being editor, uh, for being a, uh, a visualizer, understanding lyrical flow? Can you um, just, uh, in the last couple of minutes, just tell me, what is it that drives that passion? What is it that's so wonderful uh, with your gift? 
what is it that drives that passion? Well, again, it goes back to, um, you know, if what I do affects just one person, then for me, it's all been worth it. Um, you know, I know that it may sound like a, a cliche or, or what have you, but really, it's it's all about affecting people and leaving people with with the fact that what I believe may, at the end of viewing something I've worked on, they're just a little bit better person. Um, that's kind of what. I'm going to get a really. photograph of you in the studio first. Oh, yeah. And then yeah, they'll right. take a photograph of you out here later. Well, I got up this morning and I didn't think I'd be giving a message to the world. So I haven't really got one ready. I, uh, I'm a church member. Go to church. I lost my mum and dad about four or five years ago. I help her with my grandchildren when needed. I've got an aunt who's 89 and blind. And my father died first, and then my mother. And uh, I'm also a member of the British Legion. I've got two, three grandchildren who are coming down here tomorrow. I've noticed in the last two years when I talk to people and, and put them on a camera, it's, it, it's, it's a night and day change I see in their faces. Dwayne Conda. It's been an absolute and enormous pleasure to share this time with you today. And uh, I am going away feeling somewhat overwhelmed and sincerely very privileged uh, with, with the, um, the story that you shared with, with us today. And uh, it's been absolutely wonderful. Thank you. Oh, anytime, David. It's been my pleasure. I've, I'm touched and honored that you wanted to, to talk to me. And... Um, again anytime and you know let's let's do another 14 days absolutely and to our listeners today i hope that you have enjoyed this program as much as i have uh, you can uh, get information on this and any other program in the series at the official website davidgibbons.org there is a fully functional blog um, page as well at that uh, website that you can leave uh, feedback or questions for any of our guests and I'm sure that when they have a chance they'll be very happy to oblige in responding. Meanwhile, wherever you are in this world, God bless you, good morning, good afternoon and good evening. David Gibbons in discussion welcomes listeners' comments and viewpoints at its blog at davidgibbons.org. This programming is supported by organizations and firms in the private and public sectors. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.